The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So, um, wanted to get to this story. It was about this time yesterday when we received word of a multi-million dollar settlement of a class action lawsuit about sexual misconduct in the Canadian Armed Forces. It has been pervasive in the military for decades now, and we're learning victims could get thousands of dollars in compensation depending on what happened to them. There will be an $800 million cap for military members who were affected, and an additional $100 million for civilian victims to settle long-standing complaints. Now, payouts, they're saying, could range from $5,000 to as much as $155,000. Here's Global's Mercedes Stevenson. Ottawa has agreed to settle with victims of military sexual misconduct for $900 million. The massive settlement comes after those involved in the class action lawsuit alleged rampant misconduct in the Canadian Armed Forces, including sexual harassment, sexual misconduct and sexual assault. The government had promised to settle with victims out of court after it was exposed that they were arguing they did not have a legal obligation to provide a workplace that is free from sexual assault or sexual harm. The government says they hope this will show their commitment to the victims. Victims who Global News spoke to say that they are happy that there is recognition of what they have suffered, but that more cultural change is needed. Individual victims will qualify for anywhere from $5,000 to $155,000 in compensation, depending on the severity of what they were subjected to. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News, Calgary. Joining me this afternoon, a voice which has been a constant one on this station, on this issue over the years, pushing for change and trying to make a difference. Major Donna Rigadell joins me back on the show this afternoon. Major Rigadell, thanks for, uh, thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start with this one. Um, and I, I know this is going to, it's a pretty open-ended question, but how are you feeling um, when you heard that news yesterday? How are you feeling today about it? Well, I mean, it, it's been a real whirlwind of emotion. Um, I've had a lot, a lot of survivors sort of reaching out, um, asking for a clarification, you know, for some guidance on next steps. Um, because, you know, due to the nature of, of some of their injuries, um, it can be tough to comprehend it. And the settlement is complicated, so it can mm. be tough for them to sort of make heads or tails. So I know that I'm not the only one that's sort of offering a little bit of, of help as sort of what to do now and, and what it all means. Um, even while we're sort of figuring that for ourselves, like it's, um, we had some people ask, you know, we had some comments online that came down, you know, well, is, does this make it all better? Well, of course it doesn't make it all better. Like there's, there's no amount of money that, that would make what happened to, to us okay. But what it does do for a lot of us is, you know, maybe gives us some choice, maybe gives us some options, maybe, um, you know, uh, gives us that ability to, to move in a different direction. You know, we'll see what, as things shake out, like this is so early stages. We, uh, all of us kind of found out at about the same time you guys did. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot, there's a steep leaning curve happening. Absolutely. Yeah, you you must, you, you must kind of feel a little tired in a way. This has been a very long journey. It's been a very long journey. And this is, you know, just one kind of stop along the way, you know, so, so it's, 
I know for myself, you have sort of a mental checklist of, of the things that you're working through and, and all of the irons that you have in this fire, and this was one of them. So it's it's a check, but there's also, you know, we're not sure how long the process will take. We're not really even sure what it'll look like. I know that um, there's a restorative aspect that's really important to both the survivors, but also um, it was really pushed very hard by the CAF that, you know, whether this was something, or so the Canadian Armed Forces, that this was something that um, they wanted survivors to have the option, especially those that, you know, have sort of like a long-term legacy cases that mm -hmm. happened 30, 40 years ago when the problem was honestly, you know, considerably more widespread than it is now, that they would have that option to come forward and, and tell their story, hopefully giving them at least a feeling of being heard and mm -hmm. a, maybe a sense of closure to a senior, you know, Canadian Forces so that's a really um, that's a really big deal to a lot of the survivors that they'll finally get that chance to sit down one with somebody and say this happened, you know, to me and it. And I know that in, 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 in a couple of different circumstances, you were given that opportunity to sit down and, and, and share your story. Um, and how did that make a difference for you? Well, I've been very fortunate, especially, I mean, when I was out in Edmonton, I had one of probably the most supportive commanders that I've ever had for things like this. And, and I still have the benefit of that. I'm now working, um, you know, with Commodore Patterson on the issue on the military side of things. And she too is, is incredibly supportive and just a champion for this whole cause. So I've, I've really been um, blessed in that way that I've had some really good heavy hitters kind of come around and, and recognize, you know, what not only did I need to talk about what happened to me, but that I definitely had a lot of passion for this cause and, and some skills that could be put to work. So I've, I really had that opportunity to kind of, you know, um, push the, the victim advocacy angle. Like I've been working, I'm still working with um, ASAS, the Association of Alberta Sexual Assault Services, mm -hmm. to bring the first child program here and hopefully push it out, you know, across the cast. But, you know, even beyond that, I'd love to see it go Canada-wide because that first disclosure support is so important. And um, the fact that I've been kind of empowered to continue to do that work, you know, even when I relocated out to Ontario, is, is just great. And I love the fact that I'm able to take that message to the survivors. We have a, a number of sort of anonymous, um, or sorry, private Facebook groups where we can sort of support each other and peer support. And I, I love being able to bring good news back and say, you know what, there's a new development. Here's something mm -hmm. else we're working on and all that kind of stuff. Because there really is, um, you know, especially the ones that been sort of at the beginning there, there was a real feeling of defeat so mm -hmm. just being able to come back and say look we're gaining ground and here's some more stuff that's a really powerful feeling but exhaustion absolutely we're all so tired so this is good major donna rigadell joining me this afternoon now your story dates back uh, many years right back to, to basic training and um you left the military came back in i think 2006 uh, hoping that things ha had changed there was another incident uh, there. When you look back over your years, uh, Major Rigadell, how have things changed? They've changed. Um, I, you know what? It, it's so incredibly different. Like it's it's really a, like a 180 difference. When I was in basic training, um, it wasn't even considered a problem. Like it was so widespread. That was just the way things were. And it was very much, you know what? If you didn't roll with the punches, you got out. Like I, I distinctly remember two women 
that one that um, brought a claim of assault against one of her troopmates and another one that um, had done this, and they were both gone. One of them was ostracized and mm. therefore couldn't, because you, you can't complete basic training by yourself, you need your team. And then the other one um, didn't pass navigation and she was gone the day before graduation. Her stuff was packed. She didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. She was mm. gone. Um, so it was very clear from the very beginning that, you know what, if you made waves, you wouldn't make it. So we all just kind of kept our heads down and did the job as best we could. And and um, unfortunately, it was incredibly common to be, you know, harassed or to be even just the butt of the joke all the time and just constantly having that put on you. Um, when I came back in 2006, uh, things still were, they were better. They weren't perfect, obviously. We still had a problem. But even then, you could sort of see where things were getting better. But now, the, the leaps and bounds that we've made since then mm -hmm. astound me. Like, we still have a long way to go. Please don't get me wrong. Like, there's still, we still have a lot of ground to cover. But um, there are a lot of really good projects and progress being made. And, and now, you know, we're, we're kind of finally getting stuff done that, that should have been done probably you know, a while ago, but it, it just took a while to see those gaps clearly. I mean, those of us who've been through it knew they were there, but it took a while to kind of uh, point them out and say, you know what, yeah, it's not enough to tell the chain of command to be compassionate. You need to tell them how to do that mm -hmm. because that might not be, you know, a first response from a, from a combat-hardened commander. So you really <laughs> need to explain to them, you know what, this is what being compassionate to somebody who's been, you know, a victim of sexual misconduct means. This is what you need to say and this is how you need to do it. So now that it's been that clear and now now that there are standards and oversight and and so much advocacy and so much more support the changes are coming fast and furious and i actually for the first time have a ton of confidence that will make my goal which is that you know what no matter who you turn to um, in uniform, they'll be able to provide that support. Don, I want to just throw this out at you. Someone uh, texted in this afternoon and said, you know, here we go again, the public taxpayer paying for the sins of people who are not held accountable. How about holding the people accountable and making them pay? The public taxpayer had nothing to do with the offenses that were committed, and yet the taxpayer is flipping the bill. When are those who are committing the crimes going to be held accountable and have to pay up? What do you say to, that was Mark who texted or Mick who texted in. Okay, first of all, I don't disagree with Mick. I think that we should be holding people accountable for their actions. But what I will present back is Canadian Forces draws its membership from Canadian society. And if we've learned anything from hashtag Me Too and everything else, it's that this is not a problem that is just restricted to those in uniform. Yes, we are under a magnifying glass and we're a lot easier to, to see where those problems are because we are such a concentrated group. But you're kidding yourself if mm -hmm. you think that the women in your life don't have stories that that would shock you, mm -hmm. that would, you know, make you stop. And I say women, but women are not the only victims. Men are absolutely victimized too. As, most of the time it's still a, a male being the perpetrator, but that's not, I mean, they're, they're absolutely females doing it as well. But I'm telling you right now, um, if you're thinking that this is a uniform problem, it's not. It's a human problem. Um, we're just able to attack it in a different way because we are in a military culture that responds to orders and mandates. But this, this is a problem we're trying to fix across the board. We're not just trying to fix the uniform we're trying to fix the people in the uniform so that they understand how to behave properly and everything else and because society set that up it's a lot harder to fix now i know um we, we talk about uh, some of the challenges with, with what you had gone through and um years later um ended up with uh, a ptsd diagnosis and you've worked your way through that as well but when you talk about um 
how how that impacted your life and your abilities, what you were able to do, what you weren't able to do, and where you are now. Can you maybe shed some light on on that as far as being a uh, a soldier, a, a mom, a, a friend? How did that impact? Well, I would say, first of all, PTSD, there's no cure for PTSD. No. It's a managed condition. You're, you're going to have it forever. But So I, what I'll say is that I'll never know um, the potential that I would have had had I not gone through these experiences. And I was actually having a discussion with a good friend of mine who, who suffers quite badly through PTSD and anxiety. And I said, I'm not saying that you're, an exception, you're not an exceptional mother because you are an exceptional mother. What I will say is perhaps if you didn't have these injuries, it wouldn't be as much of an effort to be an exceptional mother. And that's sort of what it is. Um, I don't know what potential I've lost. I'm now going back and chasing dreams that I had when I was 19, 20 years old. Um, It's unfortunate that I didn't have um, the mental health or the support at that time to chase them because I'd already be there. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, though, I'm I'm definitely, you know, recalking and going back and doing it now. (laughs) Um, So that's, I guess, the the cost to me was was time, really. I mean, if I had... If I had not been, you know, sexually assaulted, if I hadn't been raped, if I hadn't had all those experiences, um, I might have stayed in the military, um, you know, and been ready to retire right now and, and been sort of starting a secondary career. Instead, you know, I'm still going to start that secondary mm-hmm. career. I just have to do it a different way. So for me, um, it cost me time and it cost me um, that that potential of that time. Uh, on your on, when your Facebook post last night, you said, no, the settlement does not make everything better. And it goes on to say, but it gives me a little piece of something positive out of a lot of terrible. And that is something. And I suspect that there's a lot of people um, feeling the same way today, Donna. I like to think so. I like to think so that it's giving some of those people, if nothing else, maybe a little bit of a feeling of security. Some of these people have been struggling for a lot of time. And finally, a feeling that they're going to be heard. And that's a really big deal to a lot of those people. So looking forward, I mean, you, you touched on a number of things. And, you know, certainly you're you're working with uh, Commodore Patterson, who's an exceptional woman and uh, was based out here for, for quite a while uh, as well. Um, moving forward, um, what are the, you know, the top three things that you'd like to see changed or done? I'd like to have that that peer victim support piece um, mandated across the military. I'd love to see that happen, that it's taught similar to first aid. It's, it's first aid, but it's for a very specific kind of injury. I'd like to see everybody in uniform get that rated indoctrination and then get refreshers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to um, continue to know that, that the Canadian Forces because we hold our people to such a high standard that you know what that this behavior is not just unacceptable it won't even be tolerated mm-hmm. so you know um i i know that that our goal is to you know eliminate sexual misconduct recognizing that there'll always be hardcore offenders in society yeah. what i would say is i would put a little asterisk beside that and say that you know what that anybody who joins the military that has that frame of mind would quickly learn that this is not a culture mm-hmm. that would be accepting of that kind of behavior and they'll get out now that doesn't cure them of the problem but at least it takes away the authority of the uniform which carries some weight and then that when bad things do happen that i know that the people that are hurt will then get the support they need to get that road back to mental health they can continue to follow their dreams and they don't lose that potential of time and space do you believe in operation honor i absolutely do believe in operation honor i i and i can say that as somebody who when i came into the military sharp was the 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 order of the day mm. and I had also seen the sort of wave that happened you know in like the early 2010s kind of time this is different there's a lot more momentum behind it um, it's here to stay 
I, I know that culture change doesn't happen quickly. I know that it's, it's a generational thing and it's going to take time, but we are definitely on track and we'll get there. Okay. And Major Donna Rigadell joining us this afternoon. Always great to catch up with you, uh, Donna. Look forward to seeing you again sometime soon in person. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Now that's Major Donna Rigadell joining us this afternoon. There was a story uh, where a woman was absolutely stunned. She visited her uh, husband's grandmother, her, her husband's grandma's house and walked into the bathroom to find that it was carpeted and she lost her mind over it and put it sparked a debate on Reddit whether or not carpets were suitable for bathrooms. Uh, the woman who was uh, believed to be from the U.S. said it was awkward when the carpet got wet. Um, she uh, followed up just saying she just thought it was very difficult and, and, and weird. She said she didn't want to take a shower. Uh, she he said, uh, like the shower head, everything was just moist and, and like there was carpet in in the bathroom. And now I'm going to admit to you right now, in the house that I grew up in, 31 Robertson Lane, there was carpet in the bathroom. There was carpet in the bathroom, and there was also carpet in the kitchen. Now it wasn't big, you know, shag carpet, but there was carpet in the kitchen and in the bathroom is carpet in the kitchen in the bathroom is that a yay or a nay are you grossed out by it what are your thoughts on it let me know at 6 30 6 30 we'll take a break here when we come back um jason tetro author of the germ files and the host of the super awesome science show going to join me coming up in the 3 30 news the latest on the milan lucic trade lucic trade stick around